A very good morning to all of you, to all of us. We are privileged to be in the house of the Lord again. Uh, and the house of the Lord is not this building. The house of the Lord is all of us. Okay, you and me, we are the house of God. Many people still don't get this right. They think they're going to church. Uh, actually, we are the church. Well, this morning, I want to share with you, uh, continuing with uh, our subject of discipleship, and today I want to speak about how God examines his disciples. How God examines his disciples. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 15. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. Let me read this again. To humble and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced these wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant with, uh, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And uh, chapter 8 verse 5 says, Know then in your heart that a man disciplines, does a, does, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you that once again we have the privilege to gather here as your body, the body of Christ, the house of God. Thank you, Lord, that once again we are able to study from your word and learn from you because you have invited us to take your yoke and learn from you. And Lord, that's what we want to do today. Lord Jesus, as we are entering deeper into your word, Lord, teach us and let us understand your very thoughts upon each and every one of us. The way you treat us, the way you deal with us, so that it will be well with all of us in the end. So Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless this time as we are together reading, listening to your word. Amen. So once again, my subject today is how God examines his disciples. And maybe you wonder, why does he even need to examine his disciples? Uh, is it necessary to do that? Let me be very clear, you know, uh, in this world, everything that we go through will be examined in the end. Okay, if somebody goes to school, you know, he can't just go from grade one to grade twelve without examinations. And uh, what we must understand is, uh, that at the summit of all learning, there will be always examination. Actually, we human beings, we copied that from God because God has been laying down that principle right from the very beginning of creation. In fact, even God himself, when he created things, you know, the, the Bible tells us that when a day had come to a close, and he, God was looking at what he had created, he evaluated it, he examined it, okay? And then he made uh, a judgment. And of course, whatever God created, it was very good. So the same thing he does, not only with his own doings, but he's also doing the same with each and every single one of us. You know, so at the summit of all learning, there will always be examinations. A good student prepares 
himself or herself for that examination, okay? Uh, we all know that when examinations come around, people get very, very busy. Uh, they try to do away with other things that are not absolutely necessary in order to prepare themselves for the examination well. So, good students prepare themselves. A bad student will devise a way of cheating. Okay, and I think we all know that. I hope you have not been a bad student uh, one time or the other. Okay, because if we are bad students and we are devising ways of cheating, uh, uh, you know, cheating in the examination, we have actually already failed. Because the examination has got a job to perform, has a job to do. And if, if you are cheating, then that examination cannot do the job it is designed to perform. Okay, I'll explain that a little bit further. An examination is to show each and every one of us where we have deficiencies, where we are strong, where we have uh, captured a subject well, and uh, that is great, you know, because then you know, okay, here I've done okay. But where there are deficiencies, you know that you have to do extra work. And if you cheat, it will not be able to do that job. So an examination is actually, we don't get examined for the good of our teacher or for the good of uh, the school or the college or the university where we are. Our examination is meant to be for ourselves, telling us the truth of who we really are, okay? And I think some people have not understood that, and that's why uh, we have still malpractices almost every year when there are examinations, you hear about this, you hear about that, because people don't understand that an examination is something very good for the one who writes the examination, okay? The one who goes through the examination, even if it's oral, okay? That's very important. Now, God already knows our hearts, so in fact, for him, he doesn't need that examination because he examines our hearts, he knows exactly what is inside of each and every one of us. But the problem is that we don't know, okay? We have a problem in understanding who we really are, okay? In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse one, we read, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answers. People may be pure in their own eyes, the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Okay? So you may be very convinced that you are going to sail through in your examination because you are so good. Okay? But in reality, you may not be. Okay? God knows our hearts, our minds, he knows our skill level. He knows our knowledge. Uh, and sometimes we make the mistake to judge ourselves in the light of our own, or let me say in our own light, not in the light of God. And then you might be really a failure. So that's why the Bible says to us, you know, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And that's what an examination is meant to do. An examination is meant to bring out the truth that is inside of us. So an examination should not be looked at with fear or trepidation, but an examination should always be welcome. Okay, welcome because it will give us insight in who we really are. So an examination is a yardstick of our performance. And it tells us what we need to work on, what we need to do better with in the future. Now that's why it is important that we understand even God's way of examining us, okay? God is not mean that he wants to show you how bad you are. Actually, no, the opposite is true. He wants to see everything going well with us in the end, okay? And that's why 
He puts us through these type, times of examinations in order for us to learn what is required. Now, examinations can happen in different ways, in the natural as well as uh, when God examines us, okay? We all know that, uh, you know, this was a season that has just finished or is just about to finish when a lot of people have been sitting for examinations. And I hope you have gone, uh, you have come out uh, as well as you have gone in. Okay, meaning uh, you have been as confident when you came back out that yes, I made it. Then you, when we're going inside to, to say, okay, I, I think I, I, I have prepared well. So examinations sometimes happen, you know, in classrooms, in examination halls or centers, you know, where we all sit and where we all have the same questions uh, to answer. That happens frequently. And it's a very important uh, yardstick for us to come and find out how well we, ha we have done. Especially when comparing with everybody else. You know, where, where are we? Are we somewhere in the middle? Or are we right on the top? Or are we at the bottom? So it will be able to give us an understanding where we, how we performed and how we need to do better in the future. Now, this is what God is doing as well. You know, he examines us together, you know, as a, the body of Christ. He examines us vis-a-vis -vis the, the time through which we go, through, through the difficulties which we all face, uh, very similar to all of us. But he also has other times when he examines us one by one. And, and I want to try and explain that from, from the word of God. You know, we have read in the book of Deuteronomy that God has taken the people of Israel through the wilderness. Now, uh, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they had already a lot of lessons which God taught them, okay? Maybe you wonder, how, how did God teach them, okay? You understand when first uh, Moses pitched up in, in uh, uh, Egypt uh, to his people and he confronted uh, uh, Pharaoh and he told uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, Pharaoh said, no, 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 uh, that is impossible. I need these people, they are my slaves, they are cheap labor for me, so I need to keep them. And yes, of course, uh, he kept them. But then there were 10 different lessons, okay? These were lessons that, were, that God was giving to Pharaoh, okay? There were lessons of, you know, uh, uh, revealing what did not, what, did, what would not really help the people of Israel or Pharaoh uh, in achieving his goals. Because each, each of, this, of the plagues that was coming uh, to, to Egypt was actually one way of worship, you know, worshiping idols and worshiping all kinds of different uh, objects. Uh, and God said, this is a wrong way, this is a wrong way, this is a wrong way. Okay? But it was not only a lesson to Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, it was also a lesson to the people of God. Okay? It was also the, uh, a lesson to the people of Israel who had been, you know, deeply uh, entrenched into the value system of Egypt, whether they liked it or not, but they were living within that society. And so God showed them, you know, how they would need to learn to trust the living God. How they would not need to trust uh, all the other things that, you know, the people of uh, Egypt were putting their trust in, but how they would need to learn to trust in God and in Him alone, okay? And then finally, the time for them came to be uh, delivered from the uh, slavery of Egypt, when finally they started moving out of, of Egypt. Now was a time of examination, okay? And we see this very clearly in so many different situations, you know, like uh, when they came to the Red Sea uh, and... Uh, 
They saw the Egyptians pursuing them from behind and they were seeing the water in front. Would they still be able to trust the Lord? Did they learn the lesson that they could trust God in every situation? And of course, they failed the examination because they were crying out uh, with uh, fear. They were crying out to Moses, why did you bring us here? You could have let us die in Egypt, you know. Uh, so, in other words, they had failed the examination. And uh, eventually, God told Moses, tell them to shut up. Okay? That's a harsh word. Uh, maybe you think it's not written in the, word, in the Bible, but it's written there. Okay? Okay? Shut up. Sometimes God tells you, shut up. You're talking too much. Uh, and you're talking the wrong stuff, by the way. Okay? And that's what the people of Israel did. They complained. They murmured. Yet, you know, in all the ten lessons always prevailing in them in the land of Egypt, they had seen how God was always prevailing in everything that he did. So God taught them to have confidence in him, taught them to have faith in him, trust in him. But at that moment in time, they could not do that, okay? They failed. And so finally God helped them out and says, Moses, okay, lift up your staff. And uh, he did that, and the Red Sea divided. And the people of Israel went through uh, the Red Sea on dry ground, okay? When the Egyptians tried to do the same, it became their grave. But when the people of Israel did it, knowing this is the way that God has made for us, they were able to walk on dry ground. Another lesson which they were given, a powerful lesson, and that lesson should have really been with them as they were going ahead. But very unfortunately, it didn't take long when another problem arrived, and they were becoming agitated again. They were murmuring again. They were complaining again. They said, why did you bring us here? Why did you not leave us in Egypt? There we had meat to eat. Of course, they forgot that they were on a very meager diet. They didn't get the meat they were talking about. Uh, they, they, were, they were having uh, limited food and maximum work to do. But then, you know, again, they were not trusting God enough. And, you know, this is the problem that we have always uh, as human beings, even we today in our life. We, we say, we, Lord, we love you, we trust you, but then, you know, that trust is somehow uh, evaporating along the way, and we begin to doubt, we begin to complain. Okay? The, the scripture tells us that uh, he led the people of Israel through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions, and he brought you water out of hard rock. So God protected his people through this wilderness. And of course, in the wilderness, there's no water. But God made water flow from the rock. And in the New Testament, we read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that when the people of Israel traveled through the wilderness, a rock was accompanying them. And that rock was Christ. Okay, so we understand that the hard rock that the Bible talks about here, from which uh, water was flowing, it was actually Christ. So we should never really uh, lose our hope and our confidence, like we have seen last week when we talked about uh, that disciples can live a life of confidence. You know, we should not leave, lose our confidence because the Bible says it will be richly rewarded. And by the way, Christ was wisdom in every situation, no matter how difficult, no matter how dire the situation may have looked like, the Lord was there. And let me make it very clear. Not only was Jesus, okay, or maybe I should say the Christ, because Jesus, he only was called and named when he came into this world. But the Christ is eternal. So the son of the living God was with the people of Israel in the wilderness. And uh, when there was no water, 
he provided them with water. Water, we know, is life. And so they were able to sustain themselves. Uh, they also sustained themselves on manna from above. And the manna is a, a picture of the grace of God. So God sustained them in a powerful way as they were uh, moving through the wilderness. And then the Bible says, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors did not know about, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Okay, so all this uh, journey that God had designed for them was not just, you know, an accumulation of troubles. You know, that's what sometimes... Uh, no, actually God designed that journey for the people of Israel in a very powerful way so that they could be able to uh, succeed with all the examination that God brought before them. Okay, and it's true for us as well. You know, when, when unbelievers go through this world, they, may, they might uh, complain and they may say, uh, nothing makes sense. And maybe we'll somehow listen to them and say, well, it looks like it doesn't make sense. But then we must know that there's someone behind all of the things that do not seem to make sense. And that is our God. That is our Lord. Who allows all things to happen for our good. Even if you don't see anything good out of that, you know, the Bible tells us very clearly that for those who love the Lord, all things will work out for good. So you don't need to worry, okay? Jesus taught us that lesson over and over again. We don't need to worry. Because even what doesn't need to, you know, seem to make sense, uh, it still works out for our good, okay? When you are sitting in an examination room, and I think that has happened to all of us at one time or the other, and you have a certain question in front of you, and you say, my goodness, what, what is this supposed to mean? I have no clue about this thing. And you, 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 you I mean, I, it happened to me, and you know, you, you quickly go to some other questions in order to say, okay, let me first answer the, the, the easy ones and come back later on to that one. And, you know, you scratch your head and you wonder, what is this supposed to mean? And you, you, you crack your, your head on this. And you see, my, uh, there's, there's no sense in that. And yet, God doesn't work sense without sense, senseless. But everything makes sense uh, according to his perfect plans. And so we, we must realize that even when things are tough, uh, when, when, when stations through which in that, in our lives are, are very difficult, God always has a purpose in that. You know, in the wilderness wandering of the people of Israel, we see 42 different stations. And each station was a, a very peculiar place where he taught the people of Israel. You know, it was like a, an examination that they were passing through. And that is true for us in our daily life as well. So don't be afraid when things happen that you don't understand. There is someone who does understand. If you cannot make sense out of a certain situation, forget it, you know. There's someone who can make sense out of that situation, and that is the Lord our God. Now, we may sit in one room and write an examination, but then every single one paper will be evaluated on, a, on an individual level. So in other words, you may have uh, results from failure to distinctions within that room where people are seated. Hopefully not so many failures. Hopefully more distinctions. But the, 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 the reality is clear that we all will be evaluated not by what we have copied from somebody else, but what we have been able to bring forth, what we have been able to come up with, okay? So, as I said before, you know, examinations are for our own good. Even if our performance is dismal, 
we are still able to learn something out of the examination. Because we can go back to the drawing board, we can go and sit down and be more serious or more you know, uh, focused on what we have now seen has not worked very well uh, when we did our examination. And that's exactly what God wants us to understand. You know, God puts us through many different situations in life in order to uh, help us so that we focus better, we uh, learn, you know, the, the, the way that God has prepared for us. At the end of the day, you know, whatever God may do in our life, whether it's in the wilderness, whether it's in the dry land, you know, God wants us to succeed in the end. He doesn't want us to fail. And that's why there are so many opportunities for us to face examination times so that we can be able to adjust and, uh, you know, get on top of uh, the subject that we have been struggling with. Now, as I said, uh, examination can happen for everybody alike. Everybody sits in one room all write the same paper, and uh, at the end, of course, they will be examined individually. But God has also another way of examining us, and uh, God can be able, in fact, not only can be able, but he will examine each and every single one of us in a very individual way. And I think that's very important, and I, I, I want to try and lay this out because I think it's it's very important, okay? Now, when we read scripture, we find uh, so many uh, different places where God examines the people that call upon his name, okay? God examines all of his disciples on an individual basis. Uh, and this is a tailor-made uh, examination just for, you know, just for you, just for me, just for each and every one of us, very individually. And when God examines you individually, there's nobody who sits next to you where you can copy from, okay? It's you. It's just what is in your heart. What is, what is going on deep down uh, inside of you, Okay? This examination is customized to our own life circumstances. Consider the examination that Job had to go through. Job, of course, was in the Old Testament. Maybe you say he was not a disciple. Uh, I disagree with that. Job was a disciple. In fact, he was uh, a good disciple, okay? In fact, God gave him a very, very powerful testimony, okay? When when uh, uh, the angels of God came before the Lord, uh, and also uh, Satan had to come and uh, report back to what he was doing, God was asking him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm coming from roaming the earth. Okay? So now, the devil uh, has got a, uh, an agenda. Okay? When he's roaming the earth, he's not trying to see who he can bless or he, who he can do good to, but he is always roaming the earth to try and who, who he can trip. You know, he, he is a, he's a master of knowing where our weaknesses are. You know, uh, the devil doesn't know everything, but he knows things by observing us. And, you know, he knows things that are happening in our life. Not that he knows the depths of our thinking, but he's a very good observer. And he will be able to tell, you know, when we are cutting corners, when we are doing things that are not right. And so uh, God asked him, have you seen my servant Job, you know, in whom there is no fair, false, you know, there is, there's nothing wrong with him. And uh, of course, uh, Satan is, uh, is uh, trying to find a fault in a job. Now, he didn't know a fault, and, and for sure you can be sure that he had observed him, because maybe Satan expected at one time or the other to be asked that question. But then, you know, what, what Job told 
told God is, you know, just, just, you know, give him uh, a certain, a certain, uh, you know, challenge in his life, and he will, he will curse you, because he, you have blessed him so much. Of course, he will love you. He will praise you. He will follow you. He will speak good about you. Uh, but if you do something uh, that is going to test him, examine him, then you will see that he will not be the same kind of person anymore. And God said, okay, good enough. You know, like everybody has to go through an examination. This was the time for Job to go through an examination. Now, Job didn't know about what was going on between uh, his God and uh, Satan. He didn't know what was being said. He didn't even know the, 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 the testimony that God was uh, speaking about the life of, of, of Job. Um, and so when finally the test came, it was something that, that really surprised him, you know, something that came upon him like a, like a torrent, like a wildfire, like heavy floods. And, uh, you know, he lost uh, a good part of his family. He lost his properties. He lost his uh, health. And all of a sudden, he sat there, a very different person than he used to be before. He was the blessed man that everybody knew, that everybody admired, that everybody was looking up to. He was the man who all of them, you know, had great respect for, the people around him. He was a man who was sat in the gate. That means he was one of the leaders of the community wherever he lived, okay? And he had, had uh, people admiring him, having respect for him. And all of a sudden, he sat there as uh, a pitiful being, not realizing what is going on in my life. And you know, every single one of us may experience such situations. Thank God, not as difficult as, as Job did. But certain things that you cannot explain. Why did I come all of a sudden in such a situation? And, and as far as, uh, um, you know, uh, Job was concerned, he really did his very best to live an upright life, to live, live a good life. You know, he, he helped the, the, the poor. He, he, you know, made space for the, for the orphaned children. And, you know, as we read along the, uh, the book of Job, there were so many wonderful things that Job did. And yet, you know, this calamity happened to him. And the question was, why? Okay, and as I said before, whenever such things happen, don't ask the question, why? But uh, learn to ask the question, for what? Okay, what am I supposed to learn out of this? What is the lesson here? And so, you know, uh, Job sat there, and the, the situation was so miserable that even his wife came and says, why don't you just forget about your God? Why just don't you curse him? Because, I mean, he has done something to you when you have yet lived such a good life before. And uh, even in that situation, Job did not sin. You know, he said, I've received the good, why should I not also receive the bad? The Lord has given, the Lord has taken, the name of the Lord be praised. So he actually was not a failure in his examination. Okay. He had uh, really continued to trust the Lord, even in the most difficult situations of his life. And I think we can really learn a lot from Job. But then, of course, some of his friends came and they, you know, got him involved into deep philosophical questions. And they're very interesting questions. Actually, it's a very, very uh, uh, good study for us to go through the book of Job, Job because we are learning so much there. But eventually, you know, Job was also somehow inclined to ask questions, you know, you know to, uh, 
somehow put a question mark on God's, you know, actions, on God's behavior. You know, if only I could stand before God and I could defend myself. Okay? And of course, in this way, you know, he tried to use his little brain and understand the things that he could not understand. And usually, when we do that, we fail. So, Job succeeded. You know, he got a distinction in trusting the Lord. But he also failed, on the other hand, because he was trying to uh, reason with God, trying to teach God, you know. Maybe there was something that God had overlooked in what he was doing. And many times, we feel the same way, okay? We, you know, Job was very human, just like we are very human. Okay. Now let me look at another character, and that is a New Testament disciple. That is Peter, you know, who triggered his own examination because he thought a little bit too high of himself. Let me just read for you in the book of Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus had talked about his uh, purpose to come to earth and his uh, journey to the cross and that he would have to die. And then Mark chapter 14, verse 27, he told his disciples, you will all fall away. You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And uh, that's where G uh, Peter came to interrupt him. Okay, he didn't even allow him to finish his sentence or finish uh, the explanation that uh, Jesus had for his disciples. But uh, Peter interrupted him. And he declared, okay, now, he didn't say it in a whispering tone. He declared, okay, he made everybody listen, everybody understand. Hey, come, listen to me. Okay, sometimes that's what we do. Be careful when we, you make such declarations. It might not, we, not work out well. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Even if all fall away, I will not. Declaration, okay? And with that word, he actually was overriding the word of the Lord. Because Jesus said, you will all fall away. And Peter said, I know better. And it's very dangerous when you tell God, I know better. Because Peter said, I will not fall away. You know, if all these other guys fall away, I'm not like one of them. That's becoming dangerous now, okay? This is pure pride, okay? Especially when you know that Jesus said one thing and you, said, you say the opposite. Then you are on very dangerous ground. Then you are on ice that is about to break. So consider your declarations. Make sure you know what you are, what you are declaring. Okay, so Peter declared, if, even if all fall away, and Jesus said, all of you will fall away, I will be the exception. You know, sometimes you say the exception confirms the rule, uh, but in this case, didn't confirm anything. Okay, because Jesus said, you will all fall away, and Peter felt he was above board. He was too good to put into this bracket all. Then Jesus told him, truly I tell you, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, okay, again, once again, he was rejecting what Jesus was saying. And you know, if you are rejecting what Jesus says to you, if you are rejecting the judgment of Christ, you are in, he rejected emphatically, even if I had to die with you, 
I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Okay, Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. And he says, I will never disown you. Okay, such is the judgment of a human being. So please don't look at yourself as somebody who has got all the answers. Sometimes it's better to, uh, to swallow your pride and say, okay, let me, let me first wait and see what is going to happen. At least the others, you know, they were saying this. Somehow they agreed with Peter that, no, I'm not, I'm not going to fall away. But they were not declaring it emphatically like Peter did. Now, when it comes uh, to us making such kind of uh, statements or we behave in a certain way, you know, we may call an examination on ourselves that was not scheduled. Okay? Like the examination of Peter at that night was not scheduled. It was brought upon himself by his own pride. Okay, so be careful. Sometimes you are, you are going into an examination that you have called for yourself. Because you made a statement, I'm not going to fall away. And God says, okay, I'll test it. I'll see whether, whether you come through it or how you come through it. And so sometimes, you know, we get tested in such, such a way. Now, let me reflect a moment on the examination. You know, examination uh, will lead. Now, these words are meaning the same, but, you know, for me, remedy is like a process, and the cure is like the outcome. So you don't get cured immediately. You know, when you are having a certain, a certain wound, for instance, and you're giving a certain ointment to put on your wound, that is a remedy, okay? So you apply the remedy, but the, you are not immediately cured. Okay, the cure will be maybe one week after or two weeks after, or depending on what you have gone through. So the cure will be later on. And so uh, when, when we have failed a certain examination, or when we have gone through a, a certain examination, and, uh, you know, often in a very individual way, very often even called by ourselves, then uh, God will want to, you know, give us a certain discipline. And, and, and with that, I'm not saying he will, he will, you know, punish you. You know, discipline is discipline, you know. I mean, I always like to use the word discipline from those who are in sports, okay? In sports... If you want to be successful, you know, you have to really discipline yourself. You have to train more than everybody else. You have to go beyond each and everybody else if you really want to be doing well. So God is uh, giving us a discipline. That means he's guiding us in a way that sometimes might be painful, you know. If you are told by your coach uh, as a as a uh, you know, an athlete, uh, that you have to act on your, on your training. That may be very painful because you think, I'm already going to the limit. And then it will be very painful for you to do even more. Uh, but it, it's good, okay? It's what may help you. Okay, so it will be a remedy, okay, that eventually will lead to a cure. Now, let me go back first before I come back to Peter. Let me go back to Job, okay? And I said Job failed in his uh, examination, but he also succeeded, okay? He succeeded because he kept trusting the Lord. He never gave up. And there were so many opportunities when he could just have thrown the towel and said, it doesn't help, will not be, it will not, uh, you know, get any better. But he didn't do that. He trusted God. Even in the most trying moments, he kept his trust in God. But also, he failed on the other hand because he tried to teach God. He tried to uh, tell God that somehow, somewhere, he must have made a mistake for, 
uh, for his own, you know, uh, in his own process. And that's why he had to suffer when he was not supposed to suffer. Okay, sometimes we, we, we think we know better, okay? Sometimes we should have uh, tailor-made the process of our, of our transformation rather than God. Okay, so God comes to, to uh, Job eventually in chapter 38, verse 1. Okay, Job uh, will be asked by the Lord some very pertinent question. You know, the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. And he said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? So in other words, God says, I have a plan. Okay, and that plan is perfect. But then there are people who are obscuring. That means they are dimming the plan of God so that it cannot be seen properly with their own thinking, with their own, you know, wisdom. And uh, God is saying, who is uh, obscuring my plans with words without knowledge? You agree with me? Uh, the book of Job is a, uh, is a book with a lot of words. Words of uh, Job and the words from his friends and a lot of things are being said that really were not necessary. Okay, and, and God said, you are obscuring my plan. Because you don't understand, you don't have knowledge. And so God says to embrace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when, you, when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me. Who stretched a measuring line across, across creation? On what were its footings set? Who, or who laid its cornerstone? while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Okay, so creation must have been a very exciting uh, process, okay, where the angels got excited. You know, the morning star, you know, shouted for joy. And God is asking uh, Job, where have you been? What have you done? You know, how have you been uh, faring in the midst of all this? And of course, it's a long chapter. You can read it. It's not only one chapter, a few chapters, where God is asking so many questions. Some of these questions God is asking, you know, they puzzle us because some of these realities that he created are no longer visible. They are no longer there. Some of these uh, creatures that God has created, they are extinct. But God is asking Job all these questions. Eventually, in chapter 42, it's now time for Job to reply to all the questions that God has had. Okay, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Okay, no purpose, that means no plan. No matter what you have put before you, you will bring it to pass. Okay, and that is true even in your life and in my life. It's only that we don't understand the plan of God. Just like you can understand, you know, Job didn't know what was going on on the higher echelons. He only saw what he saw. And what he saw was giving him pain, was giving him uh, all kind of, uh, uh, you know, headache in the process. But then he says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Okay, so finally, uh, Job comes to a conclusion. And he says, you know, I thought you were wrong. I thought you, you didn't consider me, Job, 
But I finally come to the conclusion, to, to the conclusion, in everything that you have done, you were right. Okay? Even if I don't understand, I was just something who heard a, a, a sound, a bang from somewhere, but I didn't understand what was behind it. But now I can see. Because God revealed himself to Job in a powerful way. And so let us understand that there are many things in our own personal lives that we cannot understand. That we will not, you know, get a, get a, a good uh, explanation about. Why is this happening? Why is this not happening? Why uh, is this prayer that I've prayed not being fulfilled, you know, or not yet fulfilled? Why is God waiting to come to my rescue for such a long time? These are all questions which we may equally have, just like Job had. Now let me come back to, to Peter again. Okay, Peter called on his own examination because he was proud. And then we read in the book of John chapter 21 verse 15 how God, how Jesus was sitting down with him and working through the results of the examinations. Okay? You know, he didn't just say, okay, these are the results, you are failure. No, actually, he goes through his failure in a very different way. Okay, so John chapter 21 verse 15. The Bible reads here, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? And he had gone to Galilee just as the time after Jesus was risen from the dead, and he had gone to Galilee just like he said, and uh, they were fishing, trying to fish, and they couldn't fish, they couldn't get any single fish, and Jesus told them, okay, why don't you uh, follow my instructions, and they did, and they found so many fish. And eventually, John said to Peter, it is the Lord. And Peter got overwhelmed because, you know, he knew he had failed. He knew that it was difficult to come into the very presence of Jesus. And yet, Jesus invited him together with everybody. He says, come and have breakfast. And then they were eating breakfast. And actually, the breakfast was already prepared even before they brought the fish. Can you imagine? So Jesus was providing them with supernatural food, not with the, not with the fish that they had just caught, but from the fish that Jesus had already prepared. You can read the, 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 the story from the different Gospels. You will see that. Okay, so Jesus finally, after they had finished eating, and uh, I think by that time, maybe Peter was feeling better because Jesus did not say, yo, what you did was not right. He didn't hammer him. He didn't beat him, okay? Maybe that would have been even easier. But then Jesus finally took time and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Very interestingly, uh, Jesus does not address Peter as Peter, okay? Because Peter means the rock, okay? But he says, Simon, son of John. And Simon, you know, uh, if you go to the root cause, uh, the root of this word Simon, it's more, more like a reed. You know, a reed can be um, pushed uh, up and down in the wind. And so Jesus used his original human name, Simon. Okay, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, pointing to the other disciples. Okay. Because he said, if all of these guys deny you, I will not. So can you see how gently Jesus is uh, bringing a subject up and uh, is dealing with the failure of of this man. And he says, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, I don't know how much time was in between. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, 
do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, have you taken note? The third time he said to him, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, uh, I want you to see something here. And let, let me finish reading verse 18 and 19. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and when you were, you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Okay? Now, the Bible says, when Jesus asked the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And then he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, <clears throat> it was like, like a knife, a sharp knife stopping into the most sensitive part of your life. And that sensitive part was the pride of Peter. Okay? That was painful. Jesus was hurt. Because, you know, Jesus was lifting himself above everybody else. And now Jesus said, do you love me? He didn't come with a, with a uh, shambok or with, with some kind of uh, uh, disciplinary rot. But he said, do you love me? Do you love me more than this? Do you really love me? And a third time, do you love me? And then Peter realized, I have been thinking too highly of myself. And you know, Jesus very gently put him into the right spot. And we know Peter became a mighty tool in the hand of the Lord. But he had to learn that he could not trust his pride. He could not trust his own estimate of who he was himself. He needed to listen to the voice of the Lord. And the Lord says, you know, in the past you have done what you wanted. You, you, you decided to go where you wanted to go. In the future, you need to depend on the one who is going to guide you. You need to depend on the one who is going to lead you according to the plan of the living God. And yes, he was given a responsibility. He was reinstated into the ministry. He became Peter again. Okay? The Simon who was shaking, you know, became the rock once again. And, he, and the Lord said, feed my sheep. So God did not make a mistake. He makes all things well. You see, one of the keys in this very scripture that we read from the very beginning in the book of Deuteronomy says that all is decided, designed that it may go well with you in the end. Okay? God doesn't see you today and tomorrow and stops there. Okay? Sometimes you hear the weather forecast. Like this morning I listened to the weather forecast and the news. And they were just saying, this morning there will be this and this and this. And they said, what and what and what? And the, the weather forecast was ending there. Do you need to know what is happening this morning? You just need to go outside and you know. Okay? Weather forecast should tell you what is going to happen tomorrow, what is supposed to happen, you know, towards the end of the week. That's a forecast. But it was not a forecast. It was just an observation. And sometimes that's what we do. You know, we observe what is happening today and what we would love to see God doing in our lives. But God has a plan, a long-term plan for each and every one of us. And in the long-term plan of God, he wants each and every one of us 
to succeed. Contrary to Satan who wants you to fail, Jesus wants us to succeed. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to more, be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. He wants us to be champions. He wants us to be heirs of the great inheritance that God has prepared for the body of Christ. Isn't that powerful? As disciples, we are designated to be sons. Okay? Versus boys or girls. We are supposed to be sons, grown up. Okay? And in the book of Hebrews, I don't have time to read this. Please read it. It's on your bulletin. Chapter 12, verse 5. Uh, God tells us that he gives us a word of encouragement that addresses us as sons. Okay? And he tells us that God disciplines us. He examines us because he loves us. We are sons. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 5 says, Know then in your heart that a man disciplines his son so that so the Lord your God disciplines you. As a human being disciplines his son, so God does to each and every one of us. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn from me. Okay? And it's great to have these lessons that we get each and every week. You know, there are lessons that we learn. If you are very, very um, attentive, you will know the lessons that we get every Sunday, maybe every Saturday, maybe every Wednesday, maybe even other days. You know, uh, some of us, we are meeting on a Tuesday and we are getting lessons there. God teaches us lessons. Jesus says, take my yoke. Being, meaning, you know, learning takes effort. It's a yoke. It's a burden. You have to sit down. You have to listen. You have to shut off all of the other noises that are around you and learn from me, Jesus says. Okay? All of us, we are meant to learn from the Lord our God. So, uh, God takes us through examinations. And examinations, you know, are an easy part if we are well prepared. I'm sure all of you, hopefully all of you, you have prepared so well that you're saying, ah, no problem. I'll sit, I'll write, and I'll come out uh, with flying colors. And it so happened because you had prepared yourself very, very well. <clears throat> but if you have not prepared very well, you know, your examination may be a calamity. And if you have a failure in this calamity, it will take you time to recover from that calamity. So remember, a remedy is a process. And God teaches us. God examines us. So that we can apply a remedy. So that eventually we get cured of all our weaknesses, of all our shortcomings, of all the areas where we are not yet where we should be. And never forget that whatever happens, uh, the key is that God says that in the end, it may be well with you. Everything may work out for you for good. So that you come out a champion, that you are coming out an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Because God has provided us with a wonderful inheritance of his kingdom of light. And that is what God has prepared for us. And he prepares us so that we are able to take that inheritance and not fail in the process. So may God bless all of you. And I hope you understand a little bit better why God examines his disciples. Why God examines his children so that we become sons, okay? When we were children, <clears throat> we didn't like the discipline of our parents. When we become adults, 
And I've heard that, you know, I've heard that not once but many times. When we become adults, we are getting, you know, set back by the behavior of our children. Why are they not listening? But we have forgotten that we were just like that when we were taught. Okay? <laughs> okay. Maybe some of you say, not me. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, you know, we are all humans and we all have the same flaws. And God works on each and every one of us so that it will go well with us in the end. Just imagine you come to the end of the road and you find out at the end of the road that you have failed. That would be disaster. That's why God says, okay, stop here for a moment. I will give you an exam. And if you have failed, you can adjust. Okay, you can adjust. You can adjust until finally you come to the end and then you will go through these flying colors. And that is God's desire for each and every single one of us. May God bless you. And may, give you, may God give you an examination that you accept, even if it's hot, so that you can make the necessary adjustments, take the necessary disciplines in order to come out the way God wants you to succeed. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to learn from you. Thank you, Lord, that we were able to sit down today, shut off all the other voices, and listen to your voice, hear from you. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan that is perfect. Help us not to obscure that plan with our own limited wisdom. But Lord, help us to trust you and walk with you every single day of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you show us in your word how others have been able to succeed. Others like Job, others like Simon who became Peter and was confirmed to be Peter because finally he was able to overcome. So Lord Jesus, help each and every one of us to succeed in the examinations that you put before us. Help us, Lord, that we make the right kind of corrections in our lives so that, Lord, we will be able to understand you better and that we will be able to walk with you and trust you every step on our way. We say thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to Give yourself as a sacrifice for all of us. And Lord, like Peter, we say, Lord, we love you. We truly love you. You know what is in our heart, even if us to overcome those darkish areas of our life and become champions in Christ Jesus. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. Amen.